0: Lays it in to Trey, two seconds, wide. Trey Slaughter, good! With one, and the Hawks are going to win this game. Shot clock at five, it's poked away, and comes up with it, and stops it. Came up shy. another lob at up high. Picked up by Tatum, slaps it, can't get it, Kevin lets it fly, swish! Oh!
1: Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm your host, Brad Harden, where it is hot. It is hot and it is hot all over the country. And I'm going to Vegas this weekend where it's going to be hotter. You know what else is hot? Trade rumor season surrounding this Atlanta Hawks and across the NBA. We've also had a domino as far as trades are concerned fall last night that we're going to talk to on this program. But last program, you know, I was in my pulpit speaking at real on realistic trade possibilities for the Atlanta Hawks this offseason. But this time. I'm not in the pulpit alone. I got a guest preacher and this man be preaching King drip himself. A uh, hand on the Bible, swear to the God above our God that this man knows what he's talking about and he is everything and sees everything. But he's not omnipotent. He's not God. But he's the closest thing to it because he's a drip God. My boy, David Bracey, coming live from the hot STL. David, how are we doing today?
0: We are hotter than Nelly in the basement over here, man. It is. It's getting humid by the Mississippi. But we're holding it down. We're holding it down. We're very glad to be part of the program today. And we're looking forward to what we got cooking up over this summer across the NBA trade landscape. Because as you said and alluded to, a couple of dominoes have already started to fall. So it's going to be fast and furious from here on out. and I can't wait.
1: Fast and Furious, no Dominic Toretto, even though I got the most shirt on right now. I'm not preaching family, but I just want to say, uh, you know, David is part of, you know, my family personally. It's kind of funny you mentioned Nelly because I'm not going to lie, I was in the car and hiding here. It really literally just came on about 40 minutes ago when I was driving here in Atlanta. So that was a very timely punchline. And uh, I guess we're going to just move on to the next thing. Uh, There's some news around DeAndre Hunter. I know he's been in some trade chatter. I know Utah likes them, but, you know, the Hawks have finally said something about DeAndre Hunter and a couple of other players on this team. And we're going to get into all this after this plug. All right. And we are back as I'm recording this. This is game six NBA finals tonight. Warriors Celtics up in Boston. Uh, real quick before we talk Hawks, um, do the Warriors close it out, David?
0: Hmm. That's a great question, Brad. I was hoping that you were going to ask me that because I try not to make predictions here. But I think tonight, you know, our group show
1: up. Yeah, you know, our group chat holds us to it, Phil.
0: (laughs) I know they do. I know they do. Shout out, Phil. I know he's listening. I think the Celtics get it done tonight. I think they force a game seven. Uh, I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both step up and have a big game. But more importantly, I think Grant Williams shows back up. I think Al Horford contributes across the board. Um, I think they get a couple big shots from Peyton Pritchard and Derek, uh, Derek White when they need it. So I think the, the role players tend to play better at home. Um, and I expect them to do so. Uh, but you know, this all hinges on, on the three letter phrase that strikes fear in the heart of any team in the NBA and that's game six clay. So we, we're going to see, I mean, we, we're going to see, we, we have yet to see both Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have good games in the same game, Um uh, should that happen tonight uh it's not gonna be good in boston it's not gonna be good for the boys in green so uh we'll see what goes down in bean town but i think they'll force a game seven yeah and as much as i want this series to end tonight
1: uh in vegas on sunday night is something that would be pretty special for me um i'm not gonna lie about that and it's funny you talk about uh game six clay there was actually a statistic that went on twitter that i actually tweeted or retweeted today uh that actually when you look at the games individual games and they compare you know clay thompson's stats game by game in a playoff series game five they're actually his best games and it, it, he averages the most points actually in game five so they're trying to say game six clay is a myth even though we've seen those big performances he may be more consistent in game fives but game six is where he has those iconic moments. So I'm not going to, you know, put put no water on the myth and, you know, douse that fire. But at the end of the day, um, I can see Boston potentially extending this series tonight, especially if they can control that turnover margin. We already know the famous stat line when they have more than 16 turnovers they're one in seven in these playoffs and a lot better when they're under 16 turnovers and i think they'll take the care of the ball home at home tonight a little bit better than they have but i still think the warriors close this out tonight as much as i won game six sunday night in vegas you know by the pool at your local watering hole sipping a dope beverage feeling good drinking water because it's gonna be hot but I can see the Warriors closing this out because I don't know if they really want to go back. I think they go back to the Chase Center. I think it's to celebrate a championship, not to play a game seven, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know if they go back to Chase with the pressure of having to close out and win a championship in that arena. um, As we've seen, game sevens have not gone great for the Golden State Warriors, unfortunately. So that's a I mean all the pressure would definitely shift. Right now, clearly all the pressure's on Boston. They're the younger team, they're the more inexperienced team, and they've never won an NBA championship before. Um, they got to defend home court, otherwise it's going to be curtains. But to your point, if it goes back to the Bay, uh, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of historical context, um, you know, a, a lot of potential ramifications for the whole legacy conversation, even though I think a lot of that isn't really merited at this point. I don't think Steph Curry really has anything he has left to prove. In my personal opinion, but yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun game tonight, and I'm sure it would be even more fun of a game for you, sitting in Vegas, in the land of sports betting. Because being as plugged into the league as you are, you can make yourself some money there, young man.
1: I'm not a gambler; I don't do that. Uh, but you know, I, it, it's gonna be the temptation's gonna be there, uh, as you know it is Sin City. Uh, temptation is always there. Um, and before we talk Hawks, I just want to give a shout out. Drake is dropping his seventh studio album tonight at midnight. I did not know that was going to happen. That was a uh, shock to me. It's like a woge bomb, but on a complex. Uh, so interested to see about that. We'll see. You know, I think all his albums are timely, whether they are gr- exceptional albums or solid albums. You know, I mean, I am not going to, you know, say that he is ironclad because there are definitely some flops. Um, For every for every artist, there's a flop. There's there's very few that aren't. Uh, But I do want to give a shout out to Aubrey Drake Graham, Champagne Poppy, on his album that's going to drop tonight. I will be listening probably tomorrow morning. Not 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 tonight. um, Watching this game tonight. And shout out to Atlanta being one of the host cities for the World Cup in twenty twenty six. I do want to. Uh, give credit where credit's due. Atlanta will be hosting some uh, World Cup games in 2026 at the Mercedes Benz Stadium downtown. And uh, I know, David, I know you're not a big soccer fan, but it's the World Cup. You pulling up to any one of these venues? Hey, uh,
0: you know, if I can get some free tickets, I'll pull up wherever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the key word was free. I heard that.
0: Yes, F R E E. That spells free. If it ain't, you will not see M E. I I
1: understand, you know, and contract extensions ain't free either. And we talked about DeAndre Hunter was mentioned you you know, Utah likes him uh there's no secret that you know the Hawks have been talking to Utah and Utah's been talking to several teams about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell I think more so Gobert than Mitchell I know they want to keep Mitchell more per se but you know it's no secret Donovan Mitchell potentially wants to get out of Utah after you know the the major domino probably of the offseason to this point uh more so than last night's trade that we're going to talk about a little bit later of snyder stepping down for the utah jazz and now that <clears throat> just implodes you know the future plans of the utah jazz and they go from uh consistently a playoff team to maybe blowing this thing up and i know that deandre hunter was a, a piece that they were eyeing but the hawks have said that they are planning to offer an extension to deandre hunter So I know I just said a lot there, David. Um, I'm going to start with the DeAndre Hunter extension part, your thoughts on that. And we're going to talk about Utah a little bit later, so I'm going to save that for you. But I'm going to give my thoughts about Hunter, but I'm curious to see what your thoughts are as far as extending DeAndre Hunter.
0: Yeah, I'll try to keep it brief because I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. But in regards to resigning and extending DeAndre Hunter, um, what else are they going to do? You know, they got rid of Cam Reddish. John Collins might be out the door. Uh, Clint Capella has not necessarily panned out, Um, not that he was their draft pick, but, I mean, a lot of the moves that they have made have not necessarily panned out in the way that they would hope. I think DeAndre Hunter is the guy who they are anticipating to be a big um, X factor for them on both sides of the ball if he can stay healthy. Uh, What we've seen in flashes has been very impressive, and I think that there's a lot of impetus for them to hold on to him, especially if John Collins or Clint Capella, potentially both of them, could be leaving this offseason. Um, this is a guy who you can build for for the future. This is a guy whose timeline fits very well with Trey Young. And this is a guy who, um, as a player archetype, is a commodity in the NBA, so the three and wing player. So uh, I think it makes all sense in the world for Atlanta to bring him back to continue to develop him um, because he could be a really big time player.
1: And me personally, I know there's a lot of mixed opinions in the Hawks fan base about DeAndre Hunter. I mean, he he is a lot of people were expecting more, but it's hard to expect more when you're always hurt. But we've seen his flashes. I mean, at this point, uh, I mean, his 35 point performance versus the Heat in the first round series this year was very, very impressive. He was actually the most consistent scorer. This playoff series with his ability to get to the rim, being more aggressive. And if he can continue that mindset offensively, it's the first offseason for a while. He's not going in hurt. He may have some nicks and bruises here or there, but he's not hurt. So he gets to continue to work on his game offensively. And I continue to say this, you know, on this program, I love when DeAndre Hunter starts his game inside out because if he's getting to the rim, he's getting to the free throw line, getting into the mid range. It opens up things from when he's shooting behind the arc. Um, and we know that he can be a pretty decent catch and shoot guy when he's in rhythm, but being in rhythm means you got to be healthy. So I think it makes all the sense of the world. I understand the hesitation for the Hawks not wanting to trade him because he is their best perimeter defender at this point, I mean, outside of DeLon Wright, and we don't know if DeLon Wright will be back next year. He's a free agent this offseason. But DeAndre Hunter is their best perimeter defender, and to lose that and potentially some other players, that would be them starting over from scratch. So I think it makes all the sense in the world to keep that piece in DeAndre Hunter as far as on the defensive end and continue to make moves to improve defensively as the offseason goes on. But the next piece, that I want to add is the Hawks basically coming out and saying that they want an expanded role from Okongwu. Um, I know I've talked about it in this program, and it's been talked about in other Hawks syndicates out there. Uh, support them as well, as, mu- as much as you support me. Uh, I am not going to be greedy for listeners. I want you to get all the news, all the different perspectives from us who cover the Hawks, but The Hawks have said they want to expand the role for Oyeka Okongu next year, and he even said in his exit interview that when he comes back next year, he's going to have a jump shot. That was his promise to the organization, and I've already liked his ability to hit free throws more consistently than Clint Capella. Um, His defensive prowess, his ability to finish around the rim uh, consistently, especially in traffic, but if he can add a jump shot, that would be something scary for the entire league, and he is – Without a doubt, uh, Capella with the Achilles did take a step back. He's okongu is the team's best post defender, in my opinion. So it makes sense that defense is the focal point. As much as everybody's been talking these rumors harping on, we need offense, we need offense. When we're in the second-best offensive room, Rating team in the nba let's be real uh we need to get better defensively which we're in the mid-20s in the low 20s a lot of stretches throughout the year last year so it just makes sense that hunter and okongu two of their better defenders they are expecting and wanting more and wanting to keep them here in atlanta which means who is gone and you kind of alluded to it david john collins or capella and in your opinion i know there's no right or wrong answer Who would you – who is more likely to go between John
0: Collins and Clint Capella? Well, just to address, you know, the last thing that you said, the the reason, in my opinion, there is no right or wrong answer in this situation is because both of these guys are not the right fit for Atlanta. Um, Capella is more so because of injury. It's kind of taken him out of what was once a very valuable position, found himself on the roster. Uh, That's why they're looking at Okongwu. He's younger. Um, he is very talented. There's a lot of potential there. Again, the timeline situation, again, if they're going to double down on de- player development, it makes sense to keep DeAndre Hunter, makes se- sense to keep an Okongwu. Um, and in regards to John Collins, you know, he's clearly not happy in Atlanta. Like, that's far from a secret. Um, he is one of the more talented players that they could use as a potential trade asset. Um, Bogdanovich unfortunately had that surgery so that kind of cuts into his value a lot of yeah. the other guys on that roster are expiring contracts so different kind of value um, depending on what a franchise is looking to gain or move off of in a potential trade so yeah two separate reasons entirely but both of them very legitimate for why the Hawks should look at moving on from both of these players
1: yeah and I think you know John Collins uh, he's, he is very sought after and we're going to talk about that here a little later I'm actually hearing a few, but Capella has some value as well, especially, you know, with the big men who could move this offseason. I do want to get to some quotes here from Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report. The Hawks are pursuing numerous trades, finding a reliable guard to play alongside Trey Young and creating a larger role for second year men. Um, big man and Yekka Congo, as I said before, and then Fisher would add, Atlanta has me- been mentioned as a possible destination for Rudy Gobert with John Collins, Clint Capella, Herder in the 16th pick in next week's draft, all considered to be potential tra- trading chips. And there's also word that the Portland Trailblazers really like John Collins. And they they may be reluctant to trade the seventh pick next week to get John Collins there, which honestly I would take. And I'm not this is the reason why I say this. I have already said that I love Obaji from KU as a two guard that could play alongside Trey Young. With his ability to shoot, his size, his ability to defend, um, and he was a four-year player, so I don't think he he had uh, one of the things that people say he they wish he did more was take over games more. So this is a guy who can, you know, be a facilitator, uh, be a part of the team, be within the system, but also find his moments to take over and be athletic and cut to the rim and shoot threes. So I like him at pick 16. But if the Hawks were able to acquire that seventh pick from Portland and trade away John Collins. There are some sources, according to Fisher from Bleacher Report, that say that the G League Ignite guard, Dyson Daniels, a 6'6", 200-pound guard from Australian, Australia, who is touted as the best perimeter defender in this draft, could be a great fit next to Trey and DeAndre Hunter, with obviously Dyson has some limitations, especially shooting the ball, especially from the perimeter, but if he is that defensive stopper at the two guard, I think it opens up things for Hunter and Okongu in their respective offensive games. And if they only trade a pick, well, sorry, John Collins and get a pick, they still have some assets, i.e. Clint Capella, that they could potentially trade and get a DeAndre Aiden. And I want to give a shout out to my boy, Pat Benson, who did put out a tweet today. He said, if the NBA playoffs were to end tonight and they had a commercial— like an end credit scene like Marvel. It, it would be dope if they had Trey Young in the gym, you know, dribbling the ball, you know, shooting his shooting his shot, and all of a sudden DeAndre Ayton comes in and say, hey, I heard you're assembling a team. Then they cut the black, and you're like, yo, hold on. That, 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 that could be the next movie. That could be a movie here in Atlanta, because I talked about on the program how much I like DeAndre Ayton uh, and his fit here in Atlanta on both sides of the ball. I think he's an above-average defender. He has, you know, quick uh foot speed for a big guy. Uh we and he's played along Chris Paul, who has a similar game. I'm not gonna say they're the same to Trey Young, but I think that him playing with Chris Paul these a few years will help him assimilate a little quickly playing alongside of Trey Young. And hey, I like Benedict uh Matherin as well at that seventh pick if we make that trade with Portland. But I know I said a lot there. In your opinion Who is more feasible or who would you rather see in Atlanta? Would you rather see Rudy Gobert or would you rather see DeAndre Ayton in a
0: Hawks uniform? I mean, that's tough. You know, Rudy Gobert would definitely solve a lot of the Hawks' defensive problems, and it would be really interesting to see one of the highest-rated offensive players in the NBA with one of the highest-rated defensive players in the NBA. Um, I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch, not even to mention, you know, the obvious pick and roll chemistry that those two would necessarily have. Um, those two, meaning Trey Young and Rudy Gobert. But DeAndre Ayton, again, is, I think, a more attainable asset. Um, you know, I think Phoenix is going to be more willing to take John Collins, um, a couple other throw-ins, you know, that could be expirings, uh, maybe even a pick, who knows. I think Phoenix would be more appealed to that than, Utah, I think Utah would really be looking for a King's ransom. I think they would want somebody like Hunter as well in the deal. Um, I think that they would want more pieces um, that would compromise what I believe the Hawks are trying to do. So DeAndre Aiden, I think, is a great would be a great pickup for them. He fits their timeline. Uh, he's a very, very skilled big man on both ends of the court. He'd be a great complement for Trey Young for all the same reasons that both John Collins and Clint Capella have been when they're healthy and available. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I think it'd be great. And for a guy who, you know, is still looking to make a name for himself in the NBA, this would be a great opportunity for him in a market that would definitely gravitate towards him, uh, where he would be, you know, the unquestioned second best player on the team, as opposed to being in Phoenix, where he was, you know, kind of a myriad of very talented pieces they had on that roster. Um, So, yeah, there's there's a lot of potential there, and I think that would be a great pickup for the Hawks.
1: I think financially, it makes the most sense. Uh, You don't have to give the Kings ransom and don't have to give up DeAndre uh, Hunter to get, in my opinion, to get DeAndre Ayton. I think you could easily give them Capella and they will be happy, you know, making that trade because they're not losing. Even though they may lose some of the offensive game that DeAndre Ayton does possess, especially around the rim, uh, they still get a more defender at Capella, someone who can rim run um and, and defend and protect the rim. Uh so they're not necessarily taking a huge step back getting Capella and a throwaway contract. So I think we don't break the bank getting DeAndre Aiden versus getting a Rudy Gobert. So I am with you there. And I think that if we do trade Clint Capella to get DeAndre Aiden, I think we might as well make that trade and get John Collins to Portland because I, if I'm Portland, I'd much rather have John Collins than Jeremy Grant, just because of the durability of John Collins compared to Grant. And John Collins is a better three-point shooter and can help space the floor at Portland, uh, Fort Dame, and whoever else they get as far as, as a two guard. And I really like, like I said, and this is another quote uh, from an article I read, the Hawks have been seeking backcourt help for years. Um I mean, this is Jake Fisher again from uh, Bleacher Report. They tried to get C.J. McCollum, Goran Dragic before last year's uh, trade deadline. Uh, they're in talks of, with getting Zach Levine and Brad Beal. And have, you know, also last year before the Pelicans made the trade with Milwaukee, tried to get Drew Holiday. So they have failed as far as getting a shooting guard next to Trey Young. And as much as we want a, a, a scoring two guard next to Trey Young. I think if we get that seventh pick and get e- either Matherin or Dyson Daniels, you know, even though they're rookies, those two will be great defensively as they're a bigger body, six, 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 seven athletic that can go alongside Trey Young. And I think just thinking about the interchangeability between and in a potential lineup where you have a Dyson or a Matherin starting and you have DeAndre Hunter, then you have Okongu out there. And then, if Obviously, I said if this were to happen, if the Damos were to fall right, and then you got DeAndre Ayton, that's a lot of defense around Trey Young, in my opinion. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on that potential setup and then ask you quickly about, you know, who is feasible as far as the two guards that are out there at Trey. Because I don't I don't see us getting Levine or Bill personally.
0: Yeah, I don't see that either. Um and when you say in regards to that setup, who, whom are you whom are you referring to?
1: I'm saying if we were to trade and get DeAndre Ayton, so you trade Capella and whoever, whatever else they want to get to get uh, DeAndre Ayton to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You trade John Collins to Portland and get that seventh pick. And then, obviously, that's going to elevate the role of Okongwu. Uh, you're going to have DeAndre Ayton as far as manning your front court. You keep the uh, DeAndre Hunter, and then in the draft, you go ahead and get one of those big athletic two guards that's going to be two of the, and these are two of the best perimeter defenders in the draft this year, and Matherin out of Arizona, and then obviously Daniels from Australia, who a lot of people like as a developmental guy, but they said he can come in day one and defend. Uh, I think that would be the best case scenario, because I just don't see us getting one of the highly touted two guards that could be available for trade or free agency this offseason.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily see that either. But I mean, depending on who you bring in, as far as the center position, you might not really need a high caliber two guard. Um, you know, I've heard talks about OGN and OB being available, Talks about Lou Dort being available. These are guys who would be more than uh, capable of filling that two-guard position for Atlanta, not necessarily in a playmaking regard, but in the ability to make open shots and the ability to play high-level defense um, and the ability to contribute to a free-flowing offense. So I think it really is going to be dependent on what Atlanta is going to be able to do with John Collins and or Clint Capella and then how they're going to be able to fill those voids, whichever may occur. Um, Because truthfully, their ability to generate offense in that pick-and-roll is going to be really lethal for them. And a high-caliber big man is going to bring much more to the table, in my opinion, than them going out and getting, uh, you know, one of those big names that you mentioned, like Zach Levine or Brad Beal, because they're just going to end up really gutting themselves. And then you got two guys who are ball-dominant looking to make plays uh, without a whole lot around them. So I don't see how that really helps anybody.
1: And I agree. That's why I say that if we're able to trade up, will trade up and get that pick from Portland and send John Collins there. I think one of those two young two guards who are going to be probably one of the better perimeter defenders on this team year one is the better route. Because as they, you know, work and develop offensively, we can plug and play them defensively already. Now, it's going to take, obviously, a learning curve to watch film and play against people and know their tendencies. But I think athletically that will cut their learning curve as far as on the defensive end. Uh, And Matherin can catch and shoot. He's not bad there. Dyson needs to get a little bit better as far as in the outside game. But you're really just calling these guys to be the big body two guard, to maybe guard the better two guard on the other team, to ease some things uh, uh, defensively for Trey Young.
0: Yeah, because that's really what they need. They need somebody to be able to help them out, because he, unfortunately, is horrible on defense. I mean, You know, the eye test and the metrics show that. So anybody's ability to help alleviate some of that pressure on him so he can focus on being that, you know, motor for your offense. um, I think that's going to be very valuable and help the Hawks win a lot of those close games down the stretch where defenses can really just search him out, um, you know, and take advantage of that mismatch.
1: Yeah, and just think about that. You have Trey Young, but then you have. A big body two guard who is at least 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, next to him. You have DeAndre Hunter, you have Okongwu, and then potentially get a DeAndre Aiden. I mean, I think that right there, uh, I think the Hawks automatically get better defensively next year, in my opinion. Your thoughts in that potential
0: setup? Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with everything you just said. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, a
1: lot of people uh, want me to debate on this show, but I mean, we're we just speaking real. We're speaking logic, and uh, I do want to mention that the first, well, the first domino was the trade last week. Um, and you're gonna have to remind me, David, is uh, the the trade to get two picks. It was Denver's trade. Denver's trade to get uh, to trade away. Oh my gosh, who? Who did they trade away and got two first round picks out of it? Well, they got a second at a second first round pick for this year into it.
0: Uh, they traded Jermichael Green
1: Jamichael Green. That's right. Yeah. That was the first domino that fell. And then, boom, you know, last night, though, we got a Wolves bomb that the Dallas Mavericks, who me and you offline have always said that the Mavericks are a, a, a reliable post player away. From con- contending with these warriors and others in the Western Conference, they add a Christian Wood. Um, so I just want to. So does that trade to get Christian Wood take Dallas out of the conversation and get a Rudy Gobert, in your
0: opinion? Um, to me, it does, just because I'm not really sure why they would want. Both of those guys. Um <laughs> You assume they're probably going to still start like a Maxi Kleba, um, a Dorian Finney Smith, and potentially either a Tim Hardaway Jr. when he's back or Jalen Brunson if he doesn't go anywhere. Um, I think if they go out and get any other big piece in addition to this offseason, it would be um, another playmaking guard more so uh, than another big. And granted, they still have Dinwiddie coming off of the bench. So I feel like the Mavericks, this was the chess piece they were looking for. Um, they were able to make this move, and it is uh really for them i mean all all benefit they're getting rid of guys who weren't really in their rotation they could really give a damn about their picks you know they got Luca, so they're not going to be anywhere for in an advantageous position in the draft anytime soon as long as he's in town so for then they're getting a guy who can really contribute on the pick and roll a guy who is a polished offensive player a big man who's skilled on both ends of the court when healthy um and those are all the things that they need you know so i i don't see them going out and getting a go bear or Another big man this offseason.
1: And it's funny. You mentioned a uh, playmaking guard next to Luca. This is another team that and I'm going to talk about a couple teams. Atlanta, we already kind of you know talked about in this program, obviously. Uh, Indiana is a, an, an interesting team as well between Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner. In your opinion, who is more likely to be traded between the two? And I've talked on this program, maybe the Hawks. You know, if they don't get DeAndre Ayton, maybe take a flyer on a Miles Turner and Brogdon or Brogdon to add to their team uh, because I think their asking prices may not be as high as and DeAndre Ayton, and certainly not a Rudy Gobert.
0: Yeah, you know, in that regard, um, the the obvious answer should be Miles Turner because it feels like they've been trying to trade this guy for the past like three years.
1: Yeah, um, and, they, and
0: they haven't. However. The the depth of Indiana in the center and guard position, I think is a big part of the reason why they feel capable to go out and, and move guys like Brogan and Turner. Um, in my opinion, however, the depth at the center position for them is a little less solidified. Uh, you know, you got Goga Batadze, um, you know, you got uh, Jacoby Brissett or not Jacoby Brissett, oh, Shea Brissett. Well, I'm, I'm getting my sports confused. You got Shea <laughs> Brissett. Um, You know, you've got guys who have who have shown some talent in in silly season, as we like to call the end of the NBA, where they rest all of talented guys and everybody else kind of gets to roam free out there. Uh, But those guys are really not proven NBA players. Miles Turner is a really talented guy. You can guarantee if he leaves Indiana, he's going to be a much better player, probably really wherever he would land. So for Indiana, um, it's really important, in my opinion, for them to probably get a pick back. I think that's probably what they would be looking for. Um, in a Miles Turner trade because they've got a Tyrese Halliburton. They've got a TJ Warren coming back. They brought in Buddy Heald. Um, you got Chris Duarte, who played really well last season. Uh, they, they have some talent on that roster. Um, and I think that they recognize, you know, the East is pretty damn good, and they're not anywhere near championship contention, and trading either one of those guys is not really going to put them there. So I think a pick is what they're looking to get. Um, whomever's going to give them the highest pick that they think is going to be, you know, the best fit for their team as far as the potential talent they could bring in as what they're going to prioritize. So we'll see. But Malcolm Brogdon, to me, just he can't stay healthy, unfortunately. You know, rookie of the year and has really not been able to have a healthy season since then. Um, A lot of risks with that. Miles Turner sure has had his injury bugs here and there. But like I said, there's not a whole lot of guys who can stretch the floor like him as far as what he brings to the court, shooting threes protecting the rim. I mean, this is a guy who leads the league in blocks season after season when he's playing the requisite amount of games. So, yeah, I think the demand for Miles Turner is going to be much higher than that for Brogdon. Um, But I could be wrong, depending on what the asking price for each one of those players are individually or in a package.
1: Yeah. And who knows? uh, Miles Turner could be uh, a sneaky, you know, prospect that has not been mentioned uh, that Portland can move and they could easily swap uh, Nurkic for Miles Turner and get better defensively there. That is something that's very possible. Uh, so, and then Brogdon, I think the asking price will be low. That's why I mentioned him on the podcast before. It was maybe the Hawks, you know, take a flyer on a Brogdon, don't have to give up a ton to get him. Maybe it is this year's pick or a future pick to get Brogdon there and put him, uh, put him as a two guard next to Trey Young. But, I mean, there's a lot of risk there, as you mentioned. I think I I said on the last program out of the six seasons he's been in the NBA, only two of those seasons he's played more than 60 games. So certainly a risk there. And we mentioned a domino effect. Dallas made their trade. They're going to be probably out of the center market here, per se. I think with the draft being a week away, Portland. Between Portland and Utah, Those are the two teams that I'm looking at closely. And then uh, a distant but not so distant third would be OKC because of just the mountain picks and that they just assembled there with Presti in Oklahoma City. But I think if if Brogdon or Turner moves or Aiden, any of these players go bare, I think it's going to happen. In the NBA draft next Thursday, in my opinion, a week from actually a week from today, as a recording. um Who are you more interested in seeing, you know, make a move, or who do you think makes a move first between
0: Portland, OKC, and Utah? Well, I mean, if we're speaking in the present, which I'm assuming we are, we already know the answer to that question. It's OKC, they've already made a move. Um, if you're saying, between these three as far as who's going to acquire a big name player is is that Is that more what we're leaning towards?
1: We're gonna say more of a big name player because OKC, you don't really know if they're actually gonna move Shea. I don't think you do move Shea. I know there's some people in my mentions saying we should go get Shea Gilja Alexander. Be nice, but I don't. I don't know if you make that move as much as you. They love Giddy. I don't think you're reluctant to make that move right now, especially when you have a high draft pick. You can add an elite, potentially elite big in that draft, and getting Chet or getting another big later on, you know, with the two first round picks. Um, But I'm saying more so who would you, who would be more likely to make a, a, a trade for a big name player leading up to the draft between Utah and Portland?
0: I think it's going to be Portland because I think Portland is trying to keep Dame there. As far as Utah goes, I mean, they don't even have a coach. You know, there's, I just don't see any big name player really wanting to be to be inserted into that roster. Um, I think they're trying to hold on to Donovan Mitchell and praying to God he doesn't, you know, demand a trade this offseason. So it it, it's not looking good in Utah. Um, You know, there is a possibility that they go out and grab somebody in the hopes that that appeases Donovan Mitchell and makes him want to stay there. Um, that could happen, you know, if they're able to work something out, with the bulls, maybe you sign and trade Rudy Gobert and Zach Levine, you know, that, that is potentially possible. Um, but I really feel like Portland is, is the team that kind of has, um, that kind of has a lot to, to decide right now. The, the, the fate of their franchise kind of rests in this offseason, in my opinion, because. If they come out and, you know, don't do anything, obviously we know the roster around Damian Lillard that they have currently is not going to be enough. I mean, you lost CJ McCollum. And as much as I have been impressed with the emergence of Anthony Simons, you know, those two guys are not going to be enough for them to truthfully make the playoffs confidently. To say they're going to confidently make the playoffs, I I think it's a stretch. Um, The West has gotten deeper. You know, Um, the Clippers are going to be back. We saw the Timberwolves play well. Um, We can assume that the New Orleans Pelicans hopefully will have Zion. Um, So they're definitely going to be in the mix. The Lakers will be back. Uh, I just don't see the Portland Trailblazers being able to look at the roster around Damon Lillard right now and feel confident about it. So in my opinion, they really got to swing for the fences. You got to go out and try to get Zach Levine, bring him back to, you know, the area that he's from. You got to go out and you got to try to get, um, you know, if Brad Beal should become available, you know, you got to pray to God that he wants to come play there. Um, You got to see what's going on with Jeremy Grant. That's a guy who would be a very valuable wing and defender for that team. Um, especially since they lost robert covington uh I, i think that there's a lot of moves that portland could potentially make um but whatever move that they make it needs to be with the assumption that this is putting them firmly not only in playoff contention but potentially in the championship picture because if you have damian lillard on any roster you should feel confident in your ability to win any seven game series the issue is can you make the playoffs to even have one so we'll see I I
1: agree. This is put up or shut up time in Portland. I know they're kind of putting their fellows around, like they're trying to get a date to the dance and kind of you know testing the market, seeing who's hey, you know, is, is 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 Megan available? Is Madison? What's going on with? Yeah, like they're, they're kind of filling around and you know making a lot of calls. I know that we've seen our names linked to Portland a lot, talking about John Collins in that seventh pick, who I think that Portland would enjoy having. Um, on, on their team per per se, and I would enjoy having the seventh pick, as I mentioned on this podcast. So Portland is going to be a team that I'm watching. And I think that they make a move. I think they make a move in the next, I think leading up to draft night, I think in this window, this is where we're going to see Portland make a move to go get somebody and I really think that as much as, you know, reports are trying to come out and say, you know, Levine's going to come back to Chicago. I, I think that Portland has is a dark horse in that Levine um, sweepstakes right now. I think they really do have an opportunity to get him. And if they do get him. I would be really interested to see what that next move would be. Uh, but I think they uh, they can't really bank on Levine right now. I think they have to make a move to make themselves look more attractive for Damian Lillard and as well as a Zach Levine in free agency or depending on what they do give up. And if it's just a pick that you give up to get, you know, a John Collins. I mean, you still have some assets there and some maybe future picks to play around if you don't get Levine to try to go get Brad Bill. But I think Zach Levine is the number one choice, in my opinion. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts quickly before, you know, we, we we tie the bow on this
0: episode. Yeah, I like I said, I mean, Zach Levine is going to be one of the biggest free agents this offseason. Um, again, that's. Assuming that James Harden and Kyrie Irving don't go anywhere, uh, so and I and I don't think and I don't on. think they go.
1: I don't think they go anywhere. I think you retain both of them if you're Philly in the nest. Because I mean, you see what the market is looking like and how unsure the market is at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree with that as well. So I, I really don't think that they go anywhere either. Um, but it remains to be seen. You know, we we've been wrong before, so. But to your point about Zach Levine, again, I, I agree with you. You know, we're gonna see, we're gonna see what they do.
1: Yeah, and I, 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 I'm interested to see what's gonna happen. Uh, before I let you go, is there some wild take? Because uh, I know you haven't been on podcast recently. Is there a wild take for this offseason that you want to, you know, put your flag in the ground and say, "Boom, I expect this to happen," or "I think this is gonna happen." And, you you know, what you, you're willing to die on that uh, heel, like people like to say. Is there something that, whether it's Hawks related or not, that
0: you want to, you know, stake your claim in right now? Mm. That's tough. Um, you know, shot in the dark, I'm going to go ahead and just say that I think this time next year. Um, Phoenix has had two members of their of their organization change scenery, I think. One of them very clearly is going to be DeAndre Ayton. Um, in my opinion, the other one is going to be the owner, Robert Sarver. So we'll see what comes of all the uh, investigations and allegations that continue to spill out of that franchise. Uh, but you said put up or shut up. Um, somebody might be putting up a for sale sign outside of uh, Phoenix Sun Stadium here soon. So we'll see what happens with that.
1: And and I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Um I think that last year was their best shot to win a fi- win the finals, especially with CP3 and how he was playing last year. Uh, Devin Booker and obviously having DeAndre Ayton, and then I think as soon as they made the decision to not extend DeAndre Ayton, even though they had a really really good regular season, obviously best record in the NBA, um, it, it was just something that it, it was, just, it was just something missing. Uh, from that team Um, they had a lot of injuries and they still were able to do well Uh, but I think them losing this to the Mavericks I think that kind of closed the door on the championship window for the Phoenix Suns and you know with Aiden seemingly out the door um, I think a change in ownership is needed in Phoenix Uh, he's been there for a long time and well-documented his allegations and how he has ran things there. And I think it's time to change the face of that franchise as far as from an ownership standpoint, because I've been to Phoenix. It is a, a hot destination. There are some people who, there are people flocking there all over the country and there's a lot of players, NBA players who take up residence residency there in the off season, just like they take a residency here in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. Atlanta has changed their ownership, and they are going in the right direction. Uh, even though they did take a step back this year, um, injuries injuries you know hurt them, but. It's no secret the Hawks are going to be aggressive this offseason. And at this point, you know, Phoenix has a hole in their foundation and their ship right now. And they're trying to plug that hole. I think that plug could be Clint Capella. And it may not. And I'm not going to just say that just because I really want, you know, DeAndre Ayton. But I'm just saying I think that could be the plug to kind of keep things afloat and keep them contending. In the Western Conference with the Warriors, uh, the Surgeon Grizzlies, you mentioned the Lakers will be back next year. The Pelicans, um, who knows what the Nuggets, uh, obviously the Jazz will probably take a step back. Uh, it's the Wild Wild West and they're going to have to do something to maintain not supremacy, but their status in the Western Conference. So I definitely I, I, I would be really interested to see if that happens. Uh, but david as always i appreciate you coming on the program man i know you got a busy schedule busy man um you know king drip himself let the listeners know how they can you know get in contact and follow you and what you got going up uh going forward for us
0: oh yes sir like i said man it's always a pleasure to be on the program with you i really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk hoops you know i'm talking hoops all the time anyways because we're in the same group chat so it's just nice to be able to come together and let all the people in on all this great info that we got over here. So as always, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter, DFB underscore three, get at me, hit me up. Um, Brad, I want to wish you safe travels on your venture to Sin City. Uh, I know you're a man of God, so I worry not about you, though you may walk through the valley of the shadow where death is. Um, so I pray for you. I pray for your bank account um, and I pray Ooh. for all the good people of Las Vegas who uh, have not yet had the pleasure of, of meeting the Brad Harden in person because it is it is a momentous occasion and he is a momentous individual so I appreciate you my man I really do
1: I appreciate you as well. Definitely say a few more prayers for the bank account. Um, and I will let you guys know I will be giving a fake name out in Vegas. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the fake name is because uh, I don't want it traced back to me, but a fake name will be given out in Vegas this weekend. Uh, and that name will stay in Vegas. It's not coming back on the plane from Las Vegas Airport to Hartsfield, Atlanta. It is not coming back. It's staying there. Uh, but with that being said, if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share the channel everybody about one of the best podcasts covering the atlanta hawks in the atlanta or nationwide uh, we're one of the best uh i'm i'm humble I, I always want to improve i always want to get better and i will love your feedback uh, what we, can we do to get better i want to improve this program um and I will improve this program. I guarantee you that I'm put my seal right there. Uh, but still share this podcast with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans. It does not matter. Put them onto this show and follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks. And you follow myself, Brad Jarrett67, on Twitter. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T67. We will catch you next time. Draft is next week. We will be around. It's going to be a draft show for Sports Ethos. Catch me there. Uh, it's probably going to be some moves or at least some more rumors. I'm going to try to get on one more time when I'm back in town before the draft. So we want to make sure that we stay on top of coverage here at Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks. So you guys have a wonderful, safe weekend. And I will catch you when I come back today.